welcome everybody to our service this morning. It's lovely to see a sea of faces and hear the buzz of uh, friendly conversation. So welcome. I'd like to begin our morning together uh, by singing two songs of praise to our Father God, really to enjoy how mighty and powerful he is, to praise him with our hearts and voices, to stand in awe of him, to bask in his glory and grace. Let's pray together. Father God, it's such an honour to speak to you and to be able to call you Father. Lord, we stand in awe of you and everything that you've made and the grace that you show us daily. Father, we praise and we glorify you and I pray that you will enjoy this morning that this morning our praise, our time together will make you happy. Lord, we open ourselves up to you and the movement of your spirit here today in this gathering of people in your church, in these people that love you and in our hearts individually. Father, I pray for comfort and peace for people that haven't been able to come here this morning, people that may be ill or away, or for whatever reason they're not here, Lord. Lord, I also bring to you this morning and pray for your caring hands, your intervention for all the people that are still affected by the floods in Pakistan. I pray, Lord, that you'll work through the different individuals and the aid organisations to relieve the suffering that's happening. I pray that you will reveal how your glory still shows through, even in disaster, even in crisis. Father, I pray you'll give us a real sense of your presence here with us this morning. I pray that you will put your words into Wayne's mouth to inspire us to inspire us to become the kind of people that you want us to be. The people that you designed us to be. The people that reflect your glory, your compassion, your mercy, your forgiveness and your grace to everyone that we meet. Father, I pray that you will bless this morning that we spend together to your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Whilst we don't have any specific news of any disasters or any miracles or anything other that's happened care-wise, there may be people that you have in your heart that you want to bring to God and you can either share them now so that we can pray publicly or uh, we'll have a, a couple of moments of meditation after I've prayed. Loving Father, we know you hear our prayers. And we bring people to you this morning 
that we feel need special attention. And you've already heard their names, Lord. But we'd like to particularly mention Lionel's sister, Valerie. I'd like to mention the Stanleys and family who've just lost their baby. And the Crowder family. Jeff's family. Father, we lift these people up to you. We know that their tears will be seen by you. And that you can give them a very real sense of your comfort and your presence. Lord, we also ask for your care, your blessing on the young people that have gone over with Jack and a few others to Rydal Hall. Once again, Lord, make it obvious to them that you're working there. Father, we don't understand often why things happen. Sometimes it takes us a very long time to see how you're working and how you can possibly be better glorified in the things that happen. But we trust you, Lord. We trust that you know best. And we love you for that. Father, still each heart that's in turmoil as we share a few moments of silence to come to you individually. I'd like to draw your attention to the second verse of the next hymn that we're going to sing together as a way of continuing our meditation on the news that we've heard, the the pastoral needs of members and members' families. Verse 2 says, Shed on us here a holy peace. Gather us in your arms of love. Cheer every sad and aching heart with your own comfort from above. And the whole song quite nicely helps to tie in these thoughts and the whole concept of God's care, God's provision for us daily and in his gift of Christ to us. So let's sing together. To introduce us to Wayne's thoughts today, Nancy is going to come and read 1 John chapter 2, the first letter from John chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God loves, God's love is truly made complete in him. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, Many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born in him. Thank you, Nancy. Which leaves me to uh, invite Wayne to come and encourage us. Wayne. Morning, sisters. Morning, children. Don't disturb me while I'm colouring, will you? Don't disturb me. <laughs> Morning, brethren. Morning. Morning. This is great. Study at bouncing smiles off people. It's wonderful. Watch. <laughs> this is fantastic. Maybe we should try that when we leave here today. Bounce a smile off someone. Boing, and watch a smile bounce back. Yeah, some would even crazy than mine coming back. It is wonderful to be here, brothers and sisters. It's two years ago since I was last here. And someone said to me, if you don't behave, when it'll be two years before you come back. And here I am two years later. So, uh, so that's good. Can I share with you this morning a very simple, a very straightforward word of exhortation? Can I do that this morning? Something, you know, something nice and straightforward. I hope so. Four months ago, Liz and I put this exhortation together. We were in, in Bangalore, in India. And... Um, I was speaking at the meeting there. When they meet in Bangalore, there's about 60 in the ecclesia there, but about half of them are teenagers. Fabulous teenagers there they are. And I wrote this exhortation with them in mind. Now, fortunately, there's a few teenagers in the room today, which helps. Last week I was at Scunthorpe and there was four of us in the room. And the dog. No teenagers. <laughs> so that helps a little of course, the other reason I'm giving this exhortation, brethren, is that as a speaking brother, once you write something, you, you want to get a bit of mileage out of it, don't you? So that's the other reason we're sharing this exhortation with you today. Now then, I'd like to begin by asking you a question. And it's not an easy question. In fact, the last three times I've asked this question, I've watched the audience closely. And when I've asked it, let me tell you what the audience have done. They've looked at the floor, they've looked at the ceiling, they've even looked at each other, but they've not looked at me. Because it's not an easy question I'm going to ask you. Here goes. Alex, will you be in the kingdom of God? Will you be in God's kingdom? Wow. Wow. Only time I've ever heard that answer. Only time I've ever asked that answer. I've ever heard that. You see, usually ask that question point blank to someone and just see the reaction you get. Uh, uh, um, I hope so. By God's good grace. But very, very rarely does someone say, yes. That surprised me. That surprised me. I like it, and it surprises me. 
You see, some people think that to say, yes, yes, Brother Wayne, I will be in the kingdom. Some people think that that might be sheer ignorance, sheer arrogance and ignorance. I mean, hey, who made you a judge? Who made you a judge? Some people would struggle to say yes. Most people... Hopeful. But you see, on the other hand, to look at me and go, Brother, no. I don't think I'll be in the kingdom. I really don't. Oh. Well, that would make you guilty of condemning yourself, wouldn't it? If this morning that's what you're thinking, I don't think so, then don't condemn yourself, because I'm going to say the same to you as I said to these. Who made you a judge anyway? You can't even condemn yourself. We don't have that privilege. Yet we do it. So, does such a question like this need an answer? I think it does, doesn't it? The reason we're here this morning is because we are all on a journey to the kingdom. We are kingdom focused. We're kingdom bound. And that's where we hope we're heading. So when someone asks you a question, I think it needs an answer. And I feel the right answer can be found here, in the pages of Scripture. And the words that the sister read for us are as good a place as any to start. Can we all open our Bibles, brethren and sisters, at 1 John chapter 2, please. I'm glad you read it from the NIV, that's wonderful. Because I'm reading from the NIV as well. So, 1 John chapter 2, come with me, if you will, to verse 28. We're all there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. What do we read? And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Dear brothers and sisters, am I right in thinking that there are two phrases in this passage that seem to link it to the judgment? This passage is about the judgment. Let me tell you why I think that. Because the first phrase is where it says, when he appears. Christ will appear at the judgment. And the second phrase is confident before him at his coming. So can I take it that you agree with me that this passage is speaking about the Lord's coming and about us having confidence before him. So is he saying, brothers and sisters, that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we may be confident and not ashamed before Jesus if we have, and here's the three words I want to focus on today, if we have continued in him. Three words. We're still in 1 John chapter 2. Let's just go up to the beginning of verse 24. 1 John chapter 2 verse 24. Listen. See that what you have heard from the beginning 
remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Okay? Remains in you. Come down with me now to verse 27. What does it say in verse 27? As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Three times, brothers and sisters, three times it tells us to what? To remain in him or joined in him. Three times. The end of verse, well, verse 25. And this is what he has promised us. Even eternal life. Eternal life. That's why, brothers and sisters, that's why we are told again and again to continue in him. To stick with him to the end. Because eternal life will be granted to those who do these things. Has anyone got the message on their lap? Let me tell you what it says in the message. I like these words. Now children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Him. Stay with Christ. Live deeply in Him. We've had some wonderful prayers this morning for people who, whoa, are going through some really, really tough times. Our prayer for them, as our brother Alex said, is that they might stay close to their hope. That they might live deeply in Jesus and he might live deeply in them. And my question to you this morning is this. Are you, sister, brother, living deeply in Christ in your life? You see, you've guessed it by now, haven't you? I'm a simple Yorkshireman. I am a simple Yorkshireman Brother Tim Galbraith in India once said, is there any other? Yeah, I'm not right keen on him either. <laughs> I'm a simple Yorkshireman. And, and I look at it this way. We are all of us, as I've said, on a kingdom journey, aren't we? That's why we all hope our journey will end. Am I right? Yes. However, as we travel on this journey, what happens? As we travel on this journey, we make... Silly detours, don't we? Hmm? Don't we? Sometimes by accident, but more intentionally, more often than not, intentionally. We make silly mistakes. We go astray, don't we? We start off well enough on our journey. There's the kingdom. And we start off on... Down and to continue on that journey that you 
Continue that journey. Sometimes you'll need help. And that's where you come in. To lift someone up. To dust them down. To take hold of the hand. And to say, walk with me a while. Come on. You see, brothers and sisters... Too often we pull ourselves down, don't we? When we're on our own and we think about our journey, we can start to pull ourselves down. I know it's not just me. And in our minds and in our hearts, we actually begin to condemn ourselves, don't we? How often have I thought, you know, you're not good enough, lad. How often have you thought it? Because we do. And you know something? Thoughts like that, brothers and sisters, are not helping us one bit. Get rid of them. They're not helping us one bit. And besides, I've got some good news for you. The Almighty God is bigger than our negative thoughts. The love of the Almighty is bigger than our negative thoughts. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that. 1 John chapter 3. Come over to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 20. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater, bigger than our hearts. And he knows everything. Whenever our hearts and minds condemn us, God is greater than that. He's bigger. And he knows everything. God is greater than our worries, than our fears, than our negative self-talk. He's bigger than that. And he knows everything. And he wants to get us back on track. I remember writing these notes the day after Liz and I returned from Moinabad Bible class. In India, there's the, the Shunam home, where we're going to go tonight. There's another home called the Mawinabad home. And every Wednesday, they have Bible class. So all the kids from Shunam get in the bus, and we drive 45 minutes to Mawinabad home, and we have a joint Bible class. And then it's 45 minutes back. Usually, Liz and I go in the bus, but this time we went with Tim and Sarah in their little car. And it is a little car. And we were coming back about 10 o'clock at night on a, on a road that they just tarmacked, but, but, but the, the, the tarmac was up here and the, pa- the, the dusty road, the pavement was down here. It was a very narrow road, about this wide. And as we were on it, a huge truck was coming towards us with its lights on. So Tim, whoa, had to pull off the road, literally, like this. And Liz and I sat in the back of the car and the truck comes past and Tim says, this is going to be a big bumper. And he drives along half on the road, half on the road, and he gets back on track so we can continue our journey home. Often, it's a bit bumpy when we have to try and get our lives back on track. 
isn't it? But that was his destination, to get back to Shunem, to get back to the children. And that's where we got. Because he was determined to fight and get his little vehicle back on track. God wants you in his kingdom. He really does. The Lord Jesus Christ is dying to save us. Isn't it? God's bigger than our negative thoughts. In fact, I want to ask you another question now, and I don't mind if you shout out. Here's a question. Think about it before you start shouting out. What is God, in your opinion, what is God best at? Love, thank you, bro. Is that it? Forgiving. Forgiving, yeah, yeah. What else? Compassion. Compassion. Getting good now anymore. What you say? Sorry, is that what I did? <laughs> Listening, I like that. It's not what I have written here, though. Saving. Saving. Oh, some good answers there. It's not what I've got written here in my notes. Creating. Creating. Okay. Let me tell you what I've got and tell me if it's right. God is best at fighting the Amalekites. Okay, I've got another one. God is best at making manna in the wilderness. Ooh. Yeah? Ooh. I thought that was it. I've saved the best to last. What is God best at? God is best at writing out the commandments. Because he did it twice. Because mankind literally and physically broke the first set. Is that what God is best? You were right. Who said forgiveness? Who said... God's best at forgiveness, isn't he? Eh? God is best at forgiving us. Let's look at the nation of Israel, shall we? Like a big circle. Let's just look at the nation of Israel. Okay? They settle into life. They settle into the land and life's good. And then they forget about God. And then calamity and trouble comes. And they turn to God and ask for forgiveness. And God forgives them. And they're back in the land and things are great. And then forget about God. And then trouble comes. And then they repent and turn to God and God forgives them. And it's like that, isn't it? And it's just like that. And we look at Israel and we go, do they never learn? And we look in a mirror and we go, Ooh, I think I'm just the same. God is best at forgiveness. It took him six days to make the earth and everything in it. And he spent every day since then forgiving his naughty children. God is good. His mercy. Do you think that includes forgiveness? It must do. God is good. His mercy endureth till the end of the week. Till the end of the month till the end of your life. God is good. His mercy 
and his forgiveness endures forever and ever. So, brothers and sisters, are we beginning to see that we have to be in Christ and that Jesus has to be in us each and every day of our lives, of our kingdom journey? Because without him, we are off that track. Life is bumpy and we are lost. With him, we are found. We have hope. We have hope both now and on the day of judgment. Over another page to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Confidence on judgment day. just thought of something. Two weeks ago I was at Bible class and I was giving a talk on the fear of the Lord and, and afterwards, you know when you have discussion a brother said something that really struck me can I share it with you? We were talking about fear of the Lord and a brother said could you imagine in line in the kingdom at judgment and the person in front of you says I'm going to meet my saviour and the person behind says, I'm going to meet the judge. Fear of the Lord. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence, joy, sure hope on the day of judgment. We shall be like him. Oh, how rich is that promise. We shall be like him. So, we've seen then that our confidence doesn't come from ourselves. No, no, no. Our confidence doesn't come from ourselves, but we have seen it comes from above, from a life lived deeply in and with Jesus. From a life where love flows outward. Somebody once said, in fact, I think it was Lizzie, somebody once said to me, Wayne, when are you going to learn to love out loud? Hmm? I mean, we like to laugh out <laughs> We like to laugh out loud, don't we? It feels good. But Lizzie said, when are you going to learn to love out loud? To bounce a few smiles around so that people can see that you are a bit weird, a bit different because you've got hope and love in your heart and people see it in your face. When are you going to learn to love out loud? You know, those words have stuck with me. And on a grey day, on an SAD day, I try and think about them words. I really try. Hey, love out loud. Bounce a smile off someone. So that we might have love and 
confidence. Because confidence casts out fear. Doesn't it? Confidence in something casts out fear. I want you to imagine right now that underneath that bookcase, a little hole, and a, a rat, a rat, comes straight down the middle of the room. Wow! Who's going to scream like a girl? Ah, uh, got Just girls? Some of you men would scream. There's a rat coming straight down the middle. Wow! Who would scream? Who would lift their legs up? Yeah? Yeah? Who would be on the chair like that? Yeah? I want you to imagine that a rat comes straight down the room now. And people are screaming. But the brother at the back with a dark jacket, he's used to rats. He takes his jacket off, he runs after it, boom, catches the rat in his jacket, takes it outside, and casts it out. Because confidence casts out fear. If we're fearful of that rat, we're not going near it. We're on that chair screaming. If we have confidence, there's no fear. That we may be confident at the day of his coming. We're not trembling. We're not screaming. There is no fear in love. Confidence casts out fear. God loves us, brothers and sisters. We can be sure of that. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only, only begotten Son. I just want to finish in Ephesians chapter 1. This is where we're going to finish. Ephesians chapter 1, two verses, verse 6 and verse 7. Ephesians 1, verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You see, in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished. That he lavished on us with all his wisdom and with all his understanding. Lavish. There's a good Christadelphian word. Don't we use it all the time? Huh? What do you lavish? Can I tell you? Affection. Lavish. The only thing, and honestly, I lavish is, is lemon curd on my toes. That good quality, not the cheap, but good my mind is saying, that's too much. And I'm thinking, I don't care, I love it. So lavish that lemon curd on. The love that God has lavished on us is spready on thick. With all his wisdom and all his understanding. Brother, sister, can I ask you a question? If you continue this journey to the end, if you live deeply in Christ Jesus, 
if you leave all judgment alone to the righteous judge, on the day of his coming, do you think you will be in God's kingdom? Thank you, Wayne. So we come to share this simple meal together. This meal gives us confidence. Confidence that this sacrifice has paved our way to salvation. Wayne's going to come and give thanks for the bread that we're going to share. Heavenly Father, we come now to thank you for the privilege of being able to take the Lord Jesus into ourselves and make him part of us. And Father, we thank you that you can remember these by the symbol of the bread that we are going to share together. And Father, we thank you for all the simplicity of the act, but the how profound and the meaning is. And Father, we pray in his name in gratitude for your love and mercy. Amen. This bread, which represents Christ's body, who God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way let's share together Father we just sing Alex pour wine from a decanter into a cup it doesn't get any more simple than that and it shows us a picture of how much you love us. That you poured out your son for us. Not so we could live in sadness. Not so we could live in grief. Not so we could live in fear. But so, Father, we can live in joy, so we can live in happiness, so we can live in certainty, so we can live in confidence that we're only sharing this meal for a while. We're only sharing this meal until we share it with you, Jesus, in the kingdom. How good is that going to be? Thank you, Father, for showing us this cup we know you'll bless it but as we pass it amongst ourselves help us to remember what it stands for it stands for your love it stands for your gift and it stands for Jesus' promise that one day we will share it with him in your kingdom Father bring that day
this wine to show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We're going to sing at Wayne's request We shall be like him. Oh, how rich the promise. What greater could our Father's love prepare? Few are the words, and softly are they spoken, but who shall tell the blessings hidden there? Let's sing this together. We're going to finish with prayer, and then I have a song to play you as a kind of dedication and meditation at the end of the service. The words will come up with the song at the end. So remain seated, and let's just pray together. Loving Father, I pray that you will help us to be a light that shines so that people will see and praise you. Father, fill us with your spirit so that we can continue on in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will come and make your home with us and in us. Help us to live with you at the centre. Help us to live deeply in you. Lord, we thank you for your words and for what you inspired Wayne to share with us this morning. Pray that we will go away equipped and encouraged as we each walk out into our own mission fields this week. Lord, thank you. And thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.